And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Dr. Peter Hammond, the founder and director of Frontline Fellowship in Cape Town, South Africa. Peter, it's an honor to have you back with us today. It's good to be back with you. Thank you so much, Dan. You're such a busy man. As we're recording this, uh, it's 2 o'clock or 2.30 here in the States, but there's now a seven-hour difference uh, between here and where you are. And so right now, I think it's about 9.30 at night. And uh, you just got done with, um, I think, leading one of your Reformation Society meetings. I'm kind of curious. Tell us how that went. Yes, it went very well. So we've been going for now... 17 years with every Thursday night Reformation Society meetings. It started out when I visited Europe in 2005 and I managed to minister in 11 different countries. But at the high point was getting to um, places like Geneva, where at Saint Pierre, where John Calvin ministered, and at Grossmonster in Zurich, where Ulrich Zwingli ministered. And I got to the Schlosskirche in Wittenberg, where Martin Luther ministered. So I was in many of the key places of the Reformation also Poland and Romanian behind Iron Curtain areas too. And it was a wonderful time. But when I came back from Europe in 2005, I saw the need to launch a Reformation Society in South Africa to particularly mobilize Christians in Africa to learn from the reformers and the doctrines and the movements of the 16th century that we could work for reformation and revival in our own lives today, particularly in Africa. And it's been a very blessed time. We've been uh, organizing conferences, seminars, camps, and uh, getting people together, particularly every Thursday night in Cape Town. It's, we have so many people visiting. And just tonight, I had a, a soldier visiting who I haven't seen since years ago when we were up at the border of Southwest Afghan Angola. And here's a paratrooper, good friend, John Michael, who's been fighting for the last 20-odd years all over the Middle East, uh, in Afghanistan, in um, uh, Iraq, and now he's in Mogadishu in Somalia, and uh, often as a what they call a civilian contractor, what others would call a mercenary, but a South African professional soldier. And the wonderful thing is to hear how he's using his opportunities everywhere for distributing Bibles, having Bible studies, and ministering <laughs> amongst other soldiers. So he's more of a missionary, even though he's being paid to do mercenary work. But um, as a Christian, he's using he does work that others don't want to do in areas that most people think is too dangerous but he's using it to advance the gospel of Christ. And so it's good to hear, even in Mogadishu right now, there are Bible study groups being developed in Somalia and uh, in what's meant to be peacekeeping forces, but in many cases they're serving the Prince of Peace, which is, of course, our real vision. So the discussion moved. We were looking at anniversary of Pearl Harbor coming up next week, and I was particularly giving an inspiring testimony of Matsuya Fushida, the... um, commander of the Japanese air attack on Pearl Harbor, who later came to Christ 10 years after attacking Pearl Harbor. Matsuya Fushida surrendered to Christ and was converted to Christ and became an evangelist for the rest of his life. He brought hundreds of Japanese to Christ. He had the opportunity of preaching the gospel not only throughout Japan, but even around America and in Europe as well. So Matsuya Fushida has written a book from Pearl Harbor to Calvary. And what a tremendous testimony that here's a man who uh, he was... In the attack on Pearl Harbor, he's involved in the Battle of Midway. He's involved in the attack on Guam. He led the squadrons attacking uh, Mount Darwin. He was involved in the attack on Ceylon. And so many key positions. He was on the Battle of, of Guam 
but then ordered back to Japan just before America overwhelmed it and all the high commanders ordered to commit seppuku, a suicide. And uh, he would have had to do what the other officers did, which is commit suicide if he'd stayed on Guam. And then he's in Hiroshima uh, just the day before the bombing, but was called to Tokyo and was uh, having breakfast uh, 400 kilometers away when um, the explosion went off in wow. Hiroshima, killing everyone he had just been with. And then he was part of the investigation of what had just hit Hiroshima. Everyone on his team died of radiation poisoning. He was the only one to survive. And he had this idea that God is obviously having a hand on his life. Why is this? <laughs> and next thing is he's given an evangelistic tract at a railway station. And uh, it's the story of uh, I was a prisoner in Japan. And uh, uh, there was uh, de Chazor, um uh, giving his testimony of how uh, he had been part of the Doolittle Raid. Jacob de Chazor had been a bombardier on the Doolittle Raid uh, on a B-25. And he had bombed... Uh, Nagano in uh, Japan and then uh, uh, crash landed, parachuted into China and was captured by the Japanese and spent 14 months being uh, abused and tortured in prison and four of his other um, flightmates were either shot or died of starvation in oh. the prison camp and he was bitter, bitter, bitter full of hatred but then he came across a Bible, he only had the Bible for three weeks but it changed his life and he started to um, really start to have a concern for his captors. And after he was released, he went back to America, studied in Bible College, came back to Japan and started to plant a church in Nagano, the very town that he had bombed before oh as a member of the Doolittle Bombers. And his testimony, I was a prisoner of Japan, uh, gripped Matia Fushida. And Matia Fushida is wondering, how is it possible that you care for your enemies? I mean, the Fushida code of a samurai is to hate your enemies and to want revenge. And so... He didn't understand this. Why would you love your enemies? Why would you count to those who had mistreated you? <laughs> it went against the samurai code. And his grandfather had been a samurai. And he is in many ways an aerial samurai. So uh, he then got off the train and went and bought the book uh, for um, I Was a Prisoner of Japan. And he reads de Chazal's testimony. Then he learns about Peggy Covell, uh, a missionary's daughter, a, who was spending her time uh, caring for uh, Japanese prisoners on Philippines. Uh, even though her parents had been murdered in the Philippines by Japanese soldiers. And when I asked Peggy, why are you being kind to us? She said, because Japanese killed my parents. And again, it didn't make sense to him. But he then goes and buys a Bible from a Japanese man on the street in Japan. And he reads the Bible as he's working his way through the Gospel of Luke. He comes to understand what this is when he hears the prayer of Jesus on the cross. Forgive them, Father, for they know not yes. what they do. And he knows that's what Peggy Cobble's parents were praying for. Uh, when they were being uh, about to be executed, uh, in fact, beheaded um, by some Japanese people in the in, uh, Philippines. And he starts to realize that the blood of the martyrs has been a seed of the church, and he is also part of the fruit of their prayers. They were praying for the enemies, right. and he was one of the enemies. And this man became a dynamic evangelist, preached on the streets at, at rallies, and had hundreds of Japanese people come forward and surrender their lives to Christ. And of course, there's a lot of hatred for him because you're succumbing to the occupier's religion and he's no this isn't the occupier's religion this is above and beyond every That's religion right. Jesus is the king of kings the lord of lords but what a tremendous testimony he became a member of the missionary sky pilots uh, sky pilots international and he traveled with reverend elmer Sachs uh, to america to preach the gospel he went to prisons 
he started um, Calvary clubs for um, Bible studies in prisons. He led people to Christ, even in uh, death row, murderers, and had wonderful ministry. And to think he went from being a key part of Japan's war against America to being a key part of the kingdom of God's uh, campaign to win even his enemies to Christ. That's, that's amazing. So I thought that was such a wonderful testimony of the power of gospel literature as well. You know, the power of the printed page won this man more effectively than the bombs or torpedoes of uh, the zeros that he piloted was these gospel tracts, Bibles and books that won him on the streets and in the railway stations in Japan. So he was converted to Christ. His last name is pronounced Fuchida, I believe, or something yeah, like that. That's right. How do you, Fushida. How do you how do you pronounce his first name? Mitsuo, M-I-T-S-U-O, Mitsuo Fushida, F-U-C-H-I-D-A. And I've actually written his story in a tract, Mitsuo Fushida, from Pearl Harbor to Calvary, and that's uh, a tract people can download off our website. I'm going to send it out soon. Anyone on our mailing list will receive it before 7th of, of December because I think it's such a great testimony, the power of gospel literature and the power of the love of Christ, even when you're enemies. The Lord guided me more than 40 years ago when I was in the South African Army to start Frontline Fellowship with the same vision because we were there on the board of South West Africa and Angola fighting the communists and our Bible study and prayer fellowship that I started we were going through the scripture, and of course we come across love your enemies, pray for your enemies. And the Lord guided me on, you know, they're coming to us with bombs. Have we ever gone to them with Bibles? They're coming to us with hate. Have we ever gone to the communists with the love of Christ? Yes. And yes, the Cubans are coming to us to fight us. Have we ever sent any missionaries to Cuba? Not that I knew of, not up till then. Have we ever sent missionaries to Russia or to East Germany? And as far as I knew, we had not up till then. South Africa sent many missionaries to them since. But I started to recruit Christians to be willing to go into the war zones and to seek to evangelize our enemies. And, of course, the poor people caught up in the crossfire of these conflicts. And that's really where Frontline Fellowship got started over 40 years ago. And uh, to hear of um, people like Matia Fashida, someone who, by human sense, would be our enemy, uh, converted to Christ, I just thought, this is the testimony that we, we live for. And I had the privilege in, in our mission over the years of winning people who would have considered themselves my enemies to Christ. And so I've preached the gospel to communists in Mozambique and Angola and in Zimbabwe and Zambia, and I, uh, even as a prisoner being interrogated by people who call themselves the devil and Marxist, Leninist, Stalinist, who hate Christ and hate Christians. And to be able to share the gospel with those people and to argue with terrorists. I remember arguing with a bunch of PLO terrorists in Zimbabwe even at a PLO base and uh, you know Muslim terrorists and having the chance to bring Muslims who, who hate Christ and who, who were persecuting Christians in Sudan and seeing some of them become Christians and become evangelists. And this is the challenge. David was a conqueror. He killed Goliath, which was a great achievement. Yeah. Goliath was a giant and David was a little shepherd boy. But Jesus Christ is more than a conqueror. He took Saul, the persecutor of the church, and he turned him into Paul, the apostle and the missionary <laughs> of the church. And so to me, to fight and to defeat your enemy in battle, that can be a great achievement. But how much greater to be able to turn some of your enemies into your co-workers and evangelists oh, who yes. will then join you in the campaign to undermine the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. Because when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you're praying for Satan's kingdom to be defeated and smashed. And so for God's kingdom to advance, we need to uh, be defeating the kingdom of darkness. And light is more powerful than darkness. 
And truth is more powerful than error. And you will know the truth and truth will set you free. And so I think far better than sending in the Marines is sending in the missionaries. Mm. Far better than bombing them is, is bombard them with prayer and with the gospel. And, and let's see that the gospel gets into the Middle East and these countries where there's so much violence and so much hatred. Well, bring in the gospel of Christ. That, that I believe, is the long-term solution. Because military conflict cannot be more than a short-term solution. And it, not exactly a solution. It might be something that slows the advance of something evil. But long term, you've got to win your enemies to Christ through the gospel. And we shouldn't be surprised that most of the problems in the world are where there are the least amount of Christians. Where the church has the least missionaries and where we're doing the least amount of gospel work, that's where you have most of the terrorism, persecution, right. most of the oppression and uh, violence and evil and the least amount of um, uh, freedoms. So if we can bring more Bibles and Bible teaching and evangelism, into areas which at the moment are hotbeds of violence and terrorism, we will be long-term changing the situation for the better. And so I believe the testimony of Matteo Fashida is just a reminder of what's been a huge amount of our mission's goals. There are people who've been my co-workers in this work who used to be Muslim jihadists, who used to be terrorists, who used to be communists, and some of them now are some of the most enthusiastic evangelists. Amongst my co-workers are some people who used to be Satanists, People who used to be bank robbers, people who used to be violent people and uh, used to be murderers. Um, amongst the people that we work with these days who are enthusiastic for advancing the gospel are people who used to be involved in drugs and um, crime and gangsters. And uh, you cannot put limits to what the grace of God can do in transforming people. And again, it inspires me to think of the testimony of um, David Wilkerson being led to go into New York and to Harlem right. and to bring the gospel to the Mau Mau. And there is Nicky Cruz and Israel and these other chaps who are gangsters. But he brings the gospel and they are transformed by the gospel and they become evangelists in their own right. <laughs> and David Wilkerson had tremendous success that way. That works out to be much better than law enforcement and prisons is to send a mission into these places. And that's why I say don't send in the Marines, send in the missionaries. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful. Our guest today is Dr. Peter Hammond, and he's become a, a dear friend. I've never met you in person, Peter. Hopefully someday we can. But um, we admire you and your work from afar. Um, it's all of the Lord. And uh, we've been talking about this Metsua Fashida. I may not pronounce that quite correctly, but uh, there's a book that's written, From Pearl Harbor to Calvary, and um, apparently inside the book, this Reverend Elmer Sachs uh, says, quote, As I looked across at my companion, I marveled afresh at the goodness of God. This man was my enemy. Now he is my brother. Such is the miracle of the grace of God. And so this, this man was a captain in the Imperial Japanese Navy Air Service, and that was in the attack on Pearl Harbor, December the 7th. And, and now this man is a believer in Christ. It's, it's, a, it's a miracle of God's grace. Yes, and the introduction to his book from Pearl Harbor to Calvary is written by Florence de Chazor, the wife or widow of uh, Jacob de Chazor, whose testimony first brought Matthew Fashida to the point of wanting to buy his book. And then as he read the book, he was so so shaken and that he got himself a Bible and reading the Bible he said by the time he got to the end of Luke he knew he was a Christian, he had to <laughs> surrender his life to Christ yeah. and and of course at that stage he said he didn't know a single Christian personally but now he was one and uh, 
then he started to meet Americans who had been his enemy, and they were now his brothers in Christ. And he met with Jeshazzar. He had the wonderful opportunity of preaching gospel together with some people who used to be his enemies. Imagine, I mean, here he is, a commander in the Japanese Navy who had attacked Pearl Harbor, and he's standing next to a bombardier, um, Jacob Jeshazzar, who had been part of the Doolittle raid that bombed Japan, yes. and they're together, brothers in Christ, embracing one another and proclaiming the gospel. I mean, that is powerful. That just shows that what man means for evil, God can use for good. Amen. God can work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The best form of defense is attack. And when we've got enemies attacking us, the best thing we can do is attack them with the gospel, counterattack with the gospel. The gospel can turn our enemies even into our brothers in Christ. Now, this brings me to uh, another um, question, and we've got maybe 10 minutes left. Um, you put out a tract, a recent uh, email, in fact, about how to fail in life. I, th- I thought that was a curious title, and can you explain to our listeners what that was about? Yes, I designed this especially for young people, and we've got a Biblical Worldview Summit coming up in January, and I was wanting to challenge some people to think about how do you fail in life? Many people... Uh, are told how to succeed, but sometimes it's better to start off with the negative and let the people know, well, this is how you fail in life, and we can often identify it. So here's how, as I sought the Lord, how do we fail in life? And having done a lot of work in the streets and being in the army and the fire brigade and being surrounded by pagans, yeah. I think I've, I've had a few observations of what really destroys people's lives. So how do you fail in life? If you want to fail in life, don't plan ahead. Don't think of the future. Don't make any sacrifices. If it feels good, do it. Live on the edge. Push your limits. It's your body. You have a right to choose to do whatever you wish. Be selfish. Strive to be popular. Give in to pagan peer pressure. Immerse yourself in the world's music and fashions, fads, films, and friends. Spend lots of time paging through worldly music or surfing the internet. Spend, spend, spend. Hire, purchase anything you want. Live in debt. Max out your credit cards. Gamble. Take a chance. Buy lotto tickets, visit the casino whenever you can. Experiment and indulge in every vice, cigarettes, alcohol, drugs. Don't worry about your health. Don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about others. Let your personal theme song be, I did it my way. Mm. If you want to be an ultimate failure in life, it's very important you never volunteer. Never commit yourself. Look after number one. Be self-centered. Don't take personal responsibility for anything. Blame others. Be bitter. Harbor grudges. Demand your rights. Always stand up for yourself. It's not my fault. Insist on everything being done your way. And remember to always be pessimistic. Be negative. Be cynical and critical of others. Participate in gossip. Listen to gossip. Pass it on to others. Forward any slanderous email on to as many people on the e-list as possible. And why pray when you can worry? Don't read the Bible. Don't think about God. Don't consider any issues in the light of eternity and the day of judgment. That's such a long way ahead. Live for the moment. Don't worry about the past. Don't think about the future. Just live for now. Your personal feelings and desires now. After all, you are a good person. Now, that's my summary of how you fail in life. That's an amazing list. And uh, today we're talking with Dr. Peter Hammond. That is very helpful, especially for young people, to kind of contemplate these things and realize, wow, it's easy to fall into this trap of being selfish, of trying to be popular, of gambling, of looking at the wrong things, listening to the wrong music, rather than uh, focusing on the Lord. Now, positively, um, you've got some Bible verses here in the last um, three or four minutes. Why don't you read a few of those, and, and that'll encourage us to keep our focus correct. 
Yes, one of the most important verses to learn as a new Christian. Psalm 37, verse 3 to 5. Trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your life to the Lord. Trust also in him. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, of all envy and slander of every kind. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In the light of eternity, those who want to succeed need to fear God alone. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We should delight ourselves in the Lord. We should seek first his kingdom. We should place God's word above all things. The successful Christian is a Bible reading Christian, reading the Bible every day. And prayer is an integral part of a successful Christian's daily life. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen. Uh, Peter, when I get up in the morning, sometimes I get distracted. I know I'm supposed to go to my Bible first and read that, and it's so easy to get distracted with the latest news and all of that. Uh, How do you do that in your own life so that you can focus first on the things of God and orient your life for that day? You know, as I wake up and I swing my uh, legs out of bed, I start to really quote, this is the day that the Lord has made. Yeah. I will rejoice, be glad. Yeah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I quote scripture like this while I'm in a shower, while I'm doing press-ups and sit-ups. Uh, as I'm getting dressed, I'm regularly quoting great scriptures. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I think meditating on the scriptures, it's so important because... I found myself particularly getting um, negative and miserable. I must say, after losing my wife two years that's ago, right, I was that's right. particularly, I'd have trouble sometimes just to be able to get up. And I found quoting scripture, and I do it aloud, I just find it's very therapeutic and helpful to quote the scripture aloud. And, and you know, my cats don't seem to mind that I'm <laughs> quoting scripture and, um, and all of that all the time. I mean, some people might think the guy's a little crazy, but I find just quoting scripture, and if you're living, with a lot of people around you can't do it verbally, maybe you can at least be remembering them in your mind. But I find it's good to say it out loud and, and just making sure the scriptures are part of daily life. The first principle I learned as a brand new Christian was from Scripture Union, Bible before breakfast. And I think that's so good. You don't forget to have breakfast, so put the Bible first, and then the Bible will be part of every day's life. And I think what we need every day for balanced diet is we need some Psalms, for worship and Proverbs for wisdom. Mm. And there's 31 chapters of Proverbs in the Bible, so that's one chapter every day of the month. And and there's 150 Psalms. So if you read through a Psalm every day, uh, you would um, be going through Psalms in five months. So I think if you would keep working your way through the Proverbs and through Psalms every day, you're getting basics of worship and wisdom. Mm. And I think it's great to start your day with Psalms and Proverbs. Mm. And then... uh, other scriptures before lunch and then 
before or after supper. And so through the day, I think our goal should be to read at least four chapters of the Bible a day. If you read four chapters of the Bible a day, you can get through the whole Bible in one year. Mm. It's 1,187 chapters of the Bible. So going through the whole Bible, I think, is a wonderful thing. When I've done it, it has really given me such focus and joy. You know, a Bible-reading Christian um, is a strong Christian. It's like gym for the mind. And we need to uh, be uh, either the Bible will keep us from sin or sin will keep us from the Bible. Yes, so true. So true. Our guest today has been Dr. Peter Hammond. And Peter, in the last minute remaining, um, maybe give folks your website so they can look you up. Yes, please. Um, visit www.frontlinemissionsa.org. SA is short for South Africa. So frontlinemissionsa.org. And uh, that's our website. You can email me personally at peter, P-E-T-R, at frontline, F-R-O-N-T-L-I-N-E dot O-R-G dot Z-A. Peter at frontline.org.za. And you can find us on social media as well. Oh, that's beautiful. By the way, the, the, the testimony of Matsuya Fushida, I've got it on our website as well. You can see it. it it's one of the tracks you can download. Just look for Matsuya Fushida from Pearl Harbor to Calvary. Uh, check that one out on our Frontline website and you will uh, find that is a track you can actually download, print out, and share with others electronically or hard copy. A wonderful testimony of the grace of God and how he brings people together. He doesn't divide. He brings people together. Peter Hammond, my dear friend in South Africa, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Sam. God bless. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. A Plain Answer. 